0: You know, uh, last week I was talking about how I studied up on Colossians and not Philippians and I was hoping that I um, could remember what I would learned about Philippians a long time ago. I went back and, and studied up on Philippians and I went, I got it right! <laughs> so I was happy. So we made it through with the first seven verses and everything the commentary said about the deacons and the elders were is exactly in line with what I would said last week. Um, and I was I was real pleased about that for sure because i was a little nervous but tonight um we're in philippians and we're moving into verse number eight first chapter, right? uh, first chapter philippians and uh, we're working through it verse by verse and uh there's some things in here when we go through it's kind of paul talking about different aspects of the ministry uh, greetings, things like that. I'm not gonna belabor a whole lot of that because to me that's just details of this day to day life. But the scriptural stuff that that applies to us, I definitely want to pull that out for you. And, um, again, this is, uh, this is an opportunity for us to, uh, if something's unclear, to, to go ahead and say, hey, could you say more about that? Because I don't have a problem doing that. We're informal. We're not like on Sunday morning where, where oh, I just got to listen and you know, say an amen or two. But if there's something that you really, really are struggling with or are confused about, don't want you to leave that way. Okay? So please, say something as we get to it. Um, I want to go back, first of all, to verse 6 to talk about that to tie us into where we're at. In verse 6, he says... I'm confident of this very thing, that God who's begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That God has begun a good work and He will continue working in you, through you, and among you until Christ returns. I read a, a, a lot of different Paul's writings over the last few weeks, um, trying to be more diligent about studying the Scripture. Now, one of the things I've noticed, and and I think you'll see this come up in most of his letters, is at that time, they thought Jesus' return was imminent. They thought it was going to happen in their lifetime. And I'll tell you a good way you can tell that is Paul said, do not marry. Christ is returning soon. You don't need to marry. (laughs) So if you marry, you're not going to be able to be prayed up and waiting for Christ's return. You're going to be distracted. Well, if that had been the case and nobody married, the church would have died out in the first century because there would be no children, nobody to follow after, right? But truly, Paul said a lot of his things in the context of two things. That he believed Christ was coming soon and that he was caught up in the economy of the Jewish understanding of things. And so you're going to hear these things Throughout all his writings, and when those come up, I'll share those with you so that you understand his perspective. And you will hear it in a lot of Pauline writings where he talks about women in a less than favorable position. He says some things about them that had he not been raised the way he was, he would not have said those things. Because Paul has an opinion on things. The best way I can say it is an opinion And many people take that opinion as godly fact because they don't understand the context of Paul. But as I said, when those things come up, I'll explain them to you. And now when he's talking today uh, in in verse 6 about this work, I don't want you to miss this. If you belong to Jesus, God is working in you. Don't miss that. If you belong to Jesus Christ, the power of God is in you. Now, if you look at Ephesians, it says the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the same Spirit, is the same one that's at work inside of you. Now, we think, but if that's the case, why is there not a lot of great stuff happening through me? I think it's because we have walked this journey not believing we can, and not imparting the power of God to the lives around us, so we've lived not powerful lives. I truly am convinced that if we walk as close to God as Jesus did, or as close to Christ as Paul did, that we would have more power exerted through us because we're now speaking the authority of God. But a lot of us don't think that when we speak, that we speak with His authority, and so we don't do it. We kind of are more quiet. But what if, what if, when you spoke, you knew God would back it up and change what happened in lives you spoke to. Would you speak more often? Would you speak more boldly? Now you know why the disciples in the upper room asked a second time, give us more boldness to speak your word with authority. It's a great prayer. But that good work that God began in us, it's like a seed, Okay? He plants a seed in each of us. He told Timothy, stir up that gift that God planted in you. That's stirring up. You have to water. You have to nurture it to grow it. That seed doesn't stay a seed when God starts working in us. It begins to grow something in us and, and become bigger. It doesn't stay at that size. God's going to start you at a place, but it's the start of a journey to something more. That good work that He began in you is a seed. And He said He's faithful to complete that work. That good work is what He has given you for your life to reflect for His kingdom. We didn't get a chance to talk about that last week. And tonight I wanted to bring that up because if you don't know that God has a task that He's given you specifically, you're going to think that life is well, you know, I'm just doing the best I can. You can do the best you can, but God can do so much more if you surrender to Him. He can transform lives around you if you'll just let Him. Now, some people say, well, I don't have anybody I can talk to. I don't have anybody I can infect. If you have anybody whatsoever around you, God can give you a gift to give them. Now, you say, oh, I I don't have a gift. That's not true. Each person has a gift and a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We all do. Any person you come across needs encouragement. Needs to know God loves them. I learned a long time ago the gifting that God gave me when someone new came in my life was that they have lost confidence that God loved them. That they needed reminded of God's love. So when someone would come into my life, I would trust that. And I would say, you know, you might think meeting me is coincidental, but there is no coincidences. And whenever... Uh, I meet someone new. I know God has brought that person specifically in my life to remind them of His love for them. And if you'll just hang on to whatever you're going through, God's going to show you. And invariably, because that's true about what God has planted in me to do that task, that each person would say, yes, how did you know? I said, I don't know that. God knows that. And that's why He brought you to me. Because He knows I'm going to be faithful to remind you of that. There is a gift in you. There's something that you do well, and you may not trust it, but you need to know what that is. And that's the good work that God has begun in you, and you have to trust that God can increase that. And I want God to do the increase through us each and through this church. I want to see that happen. So Paul is confident of that. I love when he says that. I'm confident of this very thing. And he doesn't mean, you know, I'm encouraging you this, but rather his confidence is that God will do it. The confidence isn't like, I feel pretty good about it. His confidence is this, I know that I know that I know that God will do this work in you if you submit to Him. I know this. That's the confidence Paul has. He was face to face with Jesus on multiple occasions. So you know That he knows who God is and who Jesus is. And since he knows, has confidence in who he is, he says, I know who Jesus is and I know he wants to do something through you. I know this, I'm confident of this. But, he's saying this so you can have confidence too. A lot of us sometimes wonder, well, what's my life all about? The truth is, God has a gift inside of you. And right now, it might be small because you haven't known how to use it or what it is. But I promise you, if you use it, you'll see fruit in someone else's life. And once you see that fruit, you'll know that's your gift. And it'll be easy for you. It's very, very simple for me to remind someone that God loves them, that God cares for them, because that's the gift. Some people, oh, I don't know how to do that, you know. And I'm going, it's easy you just do this. And they go, how did you know to do that? I don't know. It's a gift, right? So if it's easy for you, God's given you that gift. And you'll see fruit from it. And if you continue to sow that seed and invest in it, God will increase your ability to do that more and in bigger arenas. And you'll see more and more. But here's the thing. You have to seek God and say, God, use me. Whatever life I got left, use me for your purposes, for the gift you've given me. Stir it up and let others find fruit in there. That's the good work. And it does take some effort on your part to say, God, use me. And to be willing. And it can be nerve wracking. The first time I realized it, I I wasn't sure how to describe it. I said, Well, I think God's given me this seed faith thing where I plant seeds of faith. I have faith, you know, so, and, and gradually as I, Shared more and more. He grew that to be an encouragement for others. To remind them. You came to my life not by coincidence. But God loves you. You need to know that. He hasn't forgotten you. And He wants you to know how much He cares for you. Every time someone has come into my life. Stepped in. And I've shared that with them. They've gone. Wow. I needed that. Because God knows. Who to bring into your life. In front of you. And you're thinking. Well it's just a stranger. I don't know who this is. God, I'm praying without ceasing. Why is this person standing in front of me? Is it to make me upset that they're in my way? Or is it you have something I need to say to them? Why are they there? There are no coincidences in the kingdom of God. God has orchestrated everything so meticulously. But if you're not walking in step with that, you're going to miss a lot of opportunity. So he's begun a good work. He will complete it. You just have to let him continue to work the work in you and through you. That's verse six. Okay, so, um, we went through, excuse me, we went through verse seven last week, and Paul was talking about how they are in his heart, and even though he's in chains, but they're partakers of him with grace. And then verse 8 is one of those verses where it's a transition verse. He says, God is my witness. I greatly long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is, I love this church. I love you all. My heart has been drawn to you by Jesus Christ. Now, I I want to share something with you. And, And this is something God's been gradually teaching me over the last year, year and a half. And that is this. That if you own your church or the ministry or something you're involved in, you will invest in it. Now, let me, let me say that a different way. You can say, that's where I go to church. You can say that. That's the pastor I have, or you can say, that's my church. That's my preacher. Here's how this works. And my wife says I say stuff too much about the bus. I can't help it. It's kind of my daily life. But, I was out in public um, at Fort Massac at the encampment last year. And one of the students on the route that I ride was there. And, and they're walking around with other 7th and 8th graders, right? And it's not cool for 7th and 8th graders to hang out with adults. You know, oh, that's creepy adults. That's that age, right? Well, I'm walking along and I hear this girl go, that's my bus driver. Another girl's going, "Ooh, you like your bus or He goes, "Man, you have no idea how much this guy has helped me." And I went, "Wow." Because she had gone through some struggles and I encouraged her to hang in there, to support her and to tell her I'm on her side and and to help her by just a few words every day when she get on and off the bus. Something to say, hey, "I'm rooting for you. I believe in you." And and she said, "Yeah, this guy believes in me." And she ran across, I don't know how far it was, but she ran, runs up to me and goes, Bus driver! Hugs me. There's a difference in saying, that's the person that drives my bus, and that's my bus driver. So it is with your church. That's where I go to church, and that's my church. I love my church. This is kind of embarrassing. But true story on how this works. We have several pets. Fish. A cat, a dog, a rabbit, kids. (laughs) But uh, um, a long time ago, I told my wife, as a gift to her, I'd clean the cat box. And she was so happy about that because then she didn't have to do it anymore. And from that point on, I've had cat box duty. Let me tell you something. I don't like cat box duty. As a matter of fact, it's one of the most uh, disgusting things to me I can think of to do. But it only takes a minute or two, but it's I hate it for, for, for three hours before I do it. I hate it for three hours for the minute or two that it takes to do it, right? So we were having this nice friendly discussion the other night about the rabbit box, which also needs cleaning. And she said, well, remember you said you'd do the cat box, I'd do the rabbit box. And I said, well, I'd rather do the rabbit box and you can do the cat box. He says, well, we've already set it up this way and you know, and, and that's how we do it. And I began to think, why is it that for the rabbit, I'll clean his cage, I'll pet him, I'll trim his nails, I'll feed him, I'll take care of him. But when it comes to the cat, I go, man, I gotta feed the cat. What's wrong? And I realized what it was. And, and this is the truth. I love the rabbit. I really do. And the cat annoys me. And so it annoys me that I have to take care of something that annoys me. It's not, quote-unquote, my cat. It is my rabbit. That's the one I found, you know? So I feel ownership there. So it is when you say, that's my church. You feel ownership and you love it differently. Don't you say, I love kids, but I love my kids differently. Because they're mine. You would lay down your life for your kids. You might for another kid, but you definitely would do something special for yours. They're yours. You feel that connection. I don't feel a connection with this cat. I feel hair all over me. Yes, the rabbit shed's worse than the cat, but it's cute. Don't ask me why it's that way. I don't know. But I would gladly clean the rabbit cage for three hours and the cat cage box for two. I don't... Minutes. I don't understand that until I realize it's because I'm attached to the bunny. And I like him a lot. And the cat I just didn't do her. What do they say about cats? It's it's its world, they just tolerate us. That's kind of how this cat is. It's his place, we we just kinda of, he just kind of tolerates us. And so he does what he wants to do, never listens. But the rabbit is always happy to see me. I like that. So anyway, when you own something, you say this is mine, like that girl that came across, like my understanding of the rabbit. When you say, this is my church, you begin to say, I want to invest in it. I want to be a part of it. I want to do things that make a difference in its life. Because I love it. If it's just where you go to church, the connection won't be as strong. And so Paul says, I long for you with the affections of Jesus Christ. Paul's willing to do whatever it takes for the Philippian church because he loves them. And it's not a laborious thing. It's a labor of love. He finds joy in it. They're an obedient church. They're a good church. He doesn't have to solve problems in the Philippian church. It is a station stronghold church where it is. And so, that's why he says, I long for you, that God is my witness. I have a love for you This is from Christ. And I love you. You're my people. I feel an obligation out of joy. Love obligates us to what we love. But it's not like, oh, I've got to do it. It's, and I love doing this because love motivates me. A lot of people who... Um, I, I try to get people to drive the bus. You know, recruits and stuff. And, and you know, there's only two answers to that, right? you got to be crazy. Or... Maybe. Because people think of all these noisy kids and, and driving you nuts on the bus. They don't think about the other aspect that I witness every day. And that said, there's eight, 60 kids to 70 kids on my first route and 30 kids on my next route in the morning who need to know someone cares. And they're crying out and making noise. says, I need someone to notice I'm real. That I'm alive. And I get that opportunity every day to do that. To acknowledge them. To call them by name and say, I'm glad you're here. High five. Hope you have a great day. I'm the first face they see as an adult that says I care that day, maybe, if their parents aren't supportive or not together. So I see it as an opportunity to bless. Yes, they can be noisy, but that's that's part of the job. But loving is a part of who I am because of God in me. And it's a good work. And sometimes you'll see other bus drivers and the kids will see the other bus driver and go, that's the guy that drives my bus. The other kid will go, oh, is he a good bus driver? Oh, uh, he's noisy, he's annoying, he's mean, he's cruel, he doesn't say anything. And other kids are talking about other different bus drivers, different personalities. And they say they love me. They don't say those words. They say, I'm connected. Do you understand what I'm trying to say is when God begins to love others through you, you do it out of joy. You don't see the headaches. You see the opportunity to love. And that's what happens when God's doing work in you. And then this is what He says in verse 9. I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment. I love that. Knowledge and discernment are two very key important parts of love. Knowledge is godly wisdom. That you love not from world standards, but God's. And you can discern what is enabling and what is encouraging. Because you can go too far and make someone dependent on something, or you can help them be stronger. So knowledge and discernment are necessary. And he says that you would be able to approve the things that are excellent. I love that. And I'm going to say something about that in just a sec. That you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with fruits of righteousness which are by Christ to the glory and praise of God. That you are filled with fruits of righteousness doesn't mean that you're stuffed to the fullness of God's fullness because of what you ate. Your life is filled with the fruit of righteousness to the world around you. You are a fruit bearer and you're filled up with it. Now, i, I got to skip to that 10th verse though, right before it, where he says you, that you would approve things that are excellent. <laughs> that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. This word excellent, we miss up. Do you know what excellence is? Excellence doesn't mean perfect. Oh, that was excellent. You did that perfect. That's not what that means. In terms of God and Scripture, excellence is doing something to the best of your ability for God's glory. That is excellence. That you're doing it because you want to do it this way to give honor to God. And that you continue to do it with knowledge and discernment that this is how God wants it done. And you're doing it to the best of your ability because you want God pleased, but you also want to serve well. And that is excellence. Excellence. Um, excellence also means that you acknowledge that sometimes you don't do so well sometimes you need help and encouragement as well but that's part of being excellent because you're doing your best every day doesn't mean that your best today is the same as your best tomorrow or yesterday we move in different phases of excellence there's some days when we're just war. out we don't have much to give but our excellence that level of, of that day still is the best we can do And it may not be as good as the day before. But that's why Paul says that you continually grow and grow so that one day when you look back, your worst day uh, 10 years into the ministry of whatever you're doing is going to look 10 times as good as your best day when you started. That's how you grow. Because someone might say, you know, I'd love to lead one person to Jesus this year. And then 10 years from now, you might be going... Boy, I hope I lead one person to Jesus this week. And then further on, I hope I lead someone to Jesus today. Because you're growing and the fruit is abounding. And if you lead someone to Jesus, I promise you it is one of the greatest feelings. I had that opportunity a couple of weeks ago to lead a young man to Jesus. And he was just sobbing before the Lord. And I was going, "Praise God, you're doing work in this young man's life." That's fruit. And I love to see God do that. It's it, obviously it's not something for me. It's for that other person. But I'm encouraged that God used me. I want to see Him do some more of that. I want to see Him use each one of us to get the fruit out there, because the fruit are lives transformed by the grace of Christ. We gotta quit there at verse eleven. We've run out of time. I like going through stuff slow and understanding it and deeper. Is there anything you have questions about? Anything I might have said confused you, or anything you need clarity on before we break off for tonight? Anything I shared with you that was helpful? This book will change your life. Philippians is great. And when it gets into you, that good work he's talking about, it's going to continue. I promise you. Alright, let's have a closing prayer and then we'll finish our time together. Heavenly Father, You did begin a good work in us. You began it at Calvary. And the day we walked into that relationship with Jesus Christ and said, this is my Lord and he is my savior. I love him is the day when that labor of love became a joy. So heavenly father, I ask you to help us to love and love in excellence with your knowledge and your discernment, learning every day more and more ways you can use us to love others. Heavenly father, it is an honor. When we are used for your kingdom. So I ask that you would in the name of Jesus Christ this week grant each one of us fruit for your kingdom and joy in the labor. Amen.